Welcome to our radio broadcast, The Convergence of Prophecy, where we talk about the prophecy recorded on the pages of the Bible each week and the prophecy unfolding right before our very eyes in the news. We're currently in a series of teachings on the book of Revelation, and today we are in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So, Lord willing, we'll begin our journey along an ancient postal route, a postal route that will lead us right up to the time that we live in today. Mail would come from Rome across the Aegean Sea to the first stop on the route, and it's our first place of study, Ephesus. From Ephesus, it would make its way to the cities of Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and finally Laodicea. The seven churches addressed in Revelation 2 and 3 were real churches, but they also represent the church age throughout history. When Jesus told John to write the things which are, he's referring to these seven churches. Seven in scripture represents completion, so the seven churches represent the complete history of the church. Now the first church, Ephesus, represents the apostolic age. The last church, Laodicea, represents the age of apostasy. This is the age we're living in right now. We're living in that last age, that last church age of Laodicea. So the church age began with the apostolic age, meaning there was still an influence in the church from the apostles, and it will end with the age of apostasy or a falling away from the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. Listen to what Paul said about the last age of the church. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. The word apostasy means a rebellion, a falling away or an abandonment of the truth. So there will be a rebellion against God's word and an abandonment of the truth of God's word in the last days. And we're seeing that in the church today, aren't we? We're seeing a falling away from the Word of God today. We're living in the time that Paul described to Timothy, a time when they, meaning the church, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4. to 4. So you could see... How this isn't just a message for the churches at that time, it is a message for the church throughout the ages. So let's look together at the very first part of Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, so this letter is addressed to the city of Ephesus. The name Ephesus means desirable and darling. And it was a very desirable place to live. It was a very wealthy coastal community located right on the Aegean Sea. And it was the darling of Asia Minor as it was the first along the route. And that's important because as the first and foremost among the churches, they had the responsibility as a church to put the Lord first in all that they did. And thereby, thereby set the example for other churches throughout the ages. But as we will see... Their loss of their love for Jesus would have a profound effect even on the church to this day. The apostasy we see today didn't happen overnight. It began here in Ephesus and has grown and taken root throughout the ages. 
Now, Ephesus is located in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. The population of Ephesus was anywhere between 50 to 100,000 people. And that made this city a very large city for its time. The city boasted an amphitheater that held an estimated 25,000 people. It was a port city that brought tourists, trade, and wealth to the city. And it was most famous for their temple to their god Artemis and to the in the Greek or Diana in the Latin. The temple is said to hold over 24,000 people was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The temple also had hundreds of male and female prostitutes they called priests and priestesses. Interesting how the Lord had his church in a place steeped in idolatry and immorality. It reminds us that the church is light, or more accurately, a light bearer. We bear the light of Christ in this dark world. And the church of Ephesus was planted in this very dark place to be that light. But as you will discover, their light grew very dim. Next, we're going to look at the addressee of this church. Who's the letter actually addressed to? Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, the second part. These things says, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So the addressee of this letter is the church in Ephesus, or the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And we find a lot is written about this church's history in the book of Acts. This is one of the many churches Paul planted. In Acts 19, verses 1 through 5, we see Paul coming upon some disciples in Ephesus, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They responded they had not heard of the Holy Spirit. So Paul lays hands on them, and this is the short version, and they're baptized in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. This may have been the beginning of this church in Ephesus. Twelve spirit-filled men can truly make a difference in a city and in the world. We saw that with the twelve apostles, didn't we? And Ephesus wasn't easy ground for ministry. Acts 19.9 tells us that the hearts of the people were hardened and even spoke evil of the way, which is what Christians were called originally. But Paul stayed there, and he taught in the school of Tyrannus for two years, and, and most agree that he spent at least three years here between planting the church and teaching in the school. At that time, the time he spent there had a tremendous effect on the area as we read in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So we know from Scripture that Aquila and Priscilla heard Apollos preach in the synagogue here in Ephesus. And it was from here that headbands and aprons of Paul were taken to the sick and diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So this was the church that was planted in a place where idolatry and sexual immorality was rampant and there was also a very evil presence here. But the church was filled with spirit-filled believers and they were making a difference in the community, so much so that many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And when they counted up the value of them, it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, or about $8,000 in today's money. So in the city of Ephesus, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The change in people 
even caused a riot when a silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of the goddess Diana, found out he was losing money because of the change that was coming over people, and he rallied other merchants against the Christians. So Ephesus was a happening place for ministry, and that would become their downfall. They would wind up loving the ministry more than their Messiah. Now the author of the letter is Jesus, and John sees him in the midst of the churches. Notice that Jesus is walking in the midst of the churches, and he holds the seven stars in his hands. This should be a sobering vision for the church, because this tells us that Jesus is walking through the ages with the church. He sees all that is going on in the church today, and he has issued a report card, if you will, for each one. And because these churches also represent churches and denominations throughout the ages, and also believers, as we are the church, we need to pay very close attention to what Jesus has to say to each of these churches. And so Jesus has an affirmation for them, what they're doing well. Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those things, you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Jesus says, I know your works. Jesus knows what's going on in his church. And he has three things that he affirms that this church is doing right. First, you work hard, patiently laboring to spread the gospel. Jesus affirms their labor of love. Remember, they're in the midst of a rampant idolatry and sexually immoral, immoral place. They're in a dark, evil place. Yet they work hard at sharing the gospel message. The idea behind the Greek word for work is that they labor to the point of exhaustion. They're, they are patient, knowing that the increase cannot be forced, but must come from God. The Ephesian believers have put their feet on their faith. In today's language, that may look like feeding the hungry, clothing the needy, and ministering to the lost. The church in Ephesus was doing it all. Second, they practiced sound doctrine, and they called out those who did not. The church maintained the apostles' doctrine. They not only steadfastly held truth, true to the word of God, they held others to that same truth. Whenever someone came into that city preaching another gospel, a gospel contrary to the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ, or a false doctrine that went against the word of God, the believers at Ephesus would call them out on it. In the world we live in today, it isn't enough to just tell people what we are for. We need to speak out about what we are against. And then thirdly, they persevered even though the fruit of their labor was slow in coming. Listen, they continued to minister. Even though they didn't see the fruit of their labor right away, they persevered. And that's a great lesson for us. That family member you've been witnessing to, that co-worker you shared the gospel with, Keep witnessing, keep sharing, even though it looks like they aren't responding, even though the fruit of your labor is slow in coming. You know, I've said this before, it isn't important if you see them come to Christ. In other words, it isn't important that you see them come to Christ in your lifetime. What is of most importance is that you see them in heaven, meaning never give up, persevere, and that legacy that you leave behind may be the very thing that leads them to Jesus later on in their life. 
And so if you want to know a simple way to share the gospel with them, I have one that's easy as ABC. First, we have to admit that we're sinners, that we've fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we are all sinners. It's not an offensive word. I'm not saying something to upset you. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So the next step in this is B, believe. Believe with your heart that Jesus is the Lord, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the grave, that he'll come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Romans chapter 10, verses 10 through 11 tells us, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Once you admit you're a sinner, and you believe Jesus died for those sins, you must repent of that sin and turn to Jesus. And then see call out to him call upon the name of the lord confess that you can't do this on your own that it's not about good works it's not about being a good person it's not about religion it's about a relationship with jesus christ and if you want him to come into your life if you want him to be your lord and savior that means you must commit and submit to him romans 10 verse 9 tells us if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and you believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be saved Listen, there's no magic words here. There's no special prayer that you can pray that saves you. If you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and you believe that he has risen from the grave, the Bible tells us you will be saved. But if you were to put this into a prayer, if you want a prayer to pray with someone, it would look something like this. Dear Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. And I can never reach heaven by my own good deeds. Right now, Lord, today I place my faith in you, Lord Jesus. I place my faith in you to forgive me of my sins, to fill me with your Holy Spirit, to help me to live my life for you from this day forward. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for washing my sins clean. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll talk again next week.